1: We're looking at the power of God found in Matthew 22 next on Times of Refreshing. The Apostle Paul tells us that the power of God is powerful enough to save there in Romans chapter 1, right? Well, here in Matthew chapter 22, verses 23 through 29, Jesus gives us further clarification on the power of God. Hi there, and welcome. This is Times of Refreshing with our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman, from The Well, a Christian community here in Livermore, California. We would invite you to join us here in Matthew chapter 22 as we take a look at the power of God. Just how powerful is God? That's what we're talking about today. Join us. Here's Pastor Napoleon Kaufman with all the details.
2: One of the things that happened to me in my walk with with God that was so important is I realized that the cross the blood of jesus christ and most importantly the grace of god was an empowering influence was an empowering influence and that the spirit of god was in my life to empower me to do things that i could not do before primarily live a righteous life in the sight of god this was the difference between the law and grace law tells you that you're wrong the law of moses Always told people that they were wrong, but never supplied the grace to overcome in their life. And so grace comes and grace says, you're wrong. The law was used as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Christ brought grace. Grace shows us that we're wrong, but empowers us to do what is right. And so when you're thinking about in Christianity, you're thinking about the power of God, thinking about walking with Christ, you have to see Christ being in your life is an empowering, he's a, he comes to empower you to do what you could not. I want to say to you, you are capable of sinning, but you're no longer a sinner. Now, you don't hear that a lot because what happens is people don't realize that I am capable of sinning, but sinning should not be my lifestyle. Let me say this to you all. If we start, well, we got to get in our mind that I was a sinner, but I was saved by God's grace. My job as your pastor is not to keep you into, in a state where you're constantly thinking, I can't do no, no, nothing right because I'm just a sinner. Well, then that defeats the whole process of Christ coming to, to earth to deliver us. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Christ wants to not just cover your sin. He wants to Free you from sin he says therefore let not sin reign in your mortal body that you might um, uh, uh, that you might obey it in its lust we are called to to mortify the deeds of the body and we silence sin in our life through the empowering influence of Christ in our lives so every day you're becoming more and more like him and now the predominant expression of your life is not sin It's Christ-likeness. And so this is what Christ came to give us. And so as we're living our lives, you know, we we shouldn't just settle into a place where I'm just going to mess up. We got to get to a place where we realize that, man, God has empowered me to overcome sin. Whoever you obey is your master. Whether of sin leading to death or of righteousness. So what we want to do is we want to we wanna yield ourselves to righteousness so that righteousness becomes uh, the predominant expression of our life when it all happens. Why? Because God is empowering me to do so. So I want to show you something here because the resurrection is about Christ's resurrection is about power. And so it says here in Matthew, chapter 22, verse 23, it says the same day, the Sadducees, who say that there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him, saying, teacher, Moses says that if a man dies, Having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven, now now there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had had married and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also and the third, even to the seventh. Last of all, the women died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they are... All Hatter. Now watch this. Jesus says this, and this is the key. He says, Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures, nor what? The power of God. Nor what? The power of God. Okay? So when we we gotta understand that in our walk with Christ, it's twofold. We don't want to be people that just know the scripture but we don't know the power of God. But then we don't want to be people that just know the power of God, but we don't know the Scripture. We want to make sure that we become skillful at knowing both, the Scripture and the power of God. I see this happen all the time in Christianity. Churches, either they, 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 are, they excel at one or the other. They're strong in the scripture and you have you have churches that they just their whole ministry is just built around the scripture and built around just teaching and built around. And I, there is a obviously Jesus Christ is highlighting that there's a place for us knowing the scripture and we must know the scripture properly apply, understand uh, the scriptures. This is a big part of. of of who we are even as a church. Our church, The Well, we have a school of ministry here at the church where we teach sound doctrine in this church. When you hear me teach, a lot of times I'll just break down scriptures out of the Bible. We want to understand the scripture. It is imperative that we have a strong foundation when it comes to doctrine and theology. We have to understand the scripture. We have to rightly apply the scripture. We have to make sure that when it comes to studying the scriptures, that we do a great job of this. But he says, not only do they not know the scriptures, but he says, nor the power of God. And this is another thing that we have to understand. Jesus Christ is alive. He is sitting on the right hand of the father. He is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. And he wants to demonstrate his power in our lives. First, to cause us to live righteously in the midst of of a dying world, but then also to demonstrate the gifts of the Spirit of God, to demonstrate the power of healing and deliverance, to take authority over the devil, to bind the devil. Can I have an amen? amen? This is the kind of lifestyle that we should live based on the fact that Christ has empowered me to do this. And I think we have to get this healthy and holy balance within our lives where we begin to excel when it comes to knowing the Scriptures and knowing the power of God. Knowing the power of God and knowing the Scripture. It just becomes a part of our culture. And I think sometimes even as as parents, we, we try to keep our kids away from... Um, The power of God. I think we need to expose our kids to the power of God. They need to sometimes come in here and see us in here praying and laying hands. You know, there's nothing wrong with having while the altar call is going on. Just watching your kids in the press. They get familiar with the power of God and people prophesying and casting out demons and healing the sick. Can I have an amen? That it becomes a lifestyle for them to see it and it's not foreign to them. They grow up around it. This is what I grew up around. And so all of us here, we have to take this into consideration. Jesus Christ is trying to make this point here. You guys are very religious, but you're misinterpreting the scripture. You don't know the scriptures and you're very religious and you don't even understand the power of God, the simplicity of even the resurrection. He's being correction as a church. We want to excel in these two areas. That when it comes to knowing the Scriptures, we, we're doing the best that we can to become like the Bereans, and we're studying, and we're fair-minded. It means we're open-minded. We're teachable so that God can teach us. And then we're willing to put ourselves and, uh, in a position where we can exercise our faith to see God's power released in our lives. Unfortunately, you see churches like this, and there's, a, there's, there's no balance there. We need balance. If you don't have balance, two things happen. Number one, if we just know the Scripture without the power of God, then what we become in some cases is what I would say is a dead letter preacher. This, the, the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. So what happens is individuals, you come in, and, and the service is almost like a, a, um, a cemetery, I mean seminary. Where everybody, nobody is just, no worship, no praise. And the thing about this that is dangerous, because to to sit back and hear a lot of times, like I'm preaching to you right now, you're sitting back, and you're just getting inspiration, processing information. But what I'm saying right now, it's not costing you anything. It's costing me. This is my fourth service. It's costing me. And then all the time that I had to put into preparing those messages. But what happens is this is a part where you just get a chance to chill and receive. What happens is the part that sets you up for this is what preceded this, and that is worship. That aspect of the service is the part where you get to give. And it's amazing how you go to some churches and you see this. People do not want to spend time worshiping. Why? Because it costs you something. Think about what I'm saying. You go to some, you go, it's, you know, the worship is going on. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great. Doesn't really. This is taking too much. I, I came here just to hear a good word and get out of here. Well, what happens is we want to be a church that we're invoking the power and presence of God through our worship. And what does it do? It costs us something to get God's presence to manifest himself in here so that ultimately we don't just hear the Scriptures, but when we're hearing the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit is empowering us to understand what's being communicated. Because you can be in a church and you can be hearing the scriptures, but he says you do err not knowing the scriptures. You're hearing the scriptures. You taught the scriptures. You have all kinds of rabbis, but you don't know the the scriptures. Why? Because in order to really understand the scriptures, you need the power of God. And our job is to invoke the power of God in the presence of Jesus through our worship. It costs us something. But on the flip side, you cannot know the power of God unless you know the scriptures. So what happens in a lot of churches is this, is you have situations where people, they know the power of God or they want the power of God, but their, uh, their experience is not weighed or measured by the scripture. So what happens is there's manifestations, there's things that happen that are not biblically based. And people call that the power of God when in reality it's not the power of God. It could be flesh, it can be sensuality, it could be demonic. But because people don't know the scripture, they just want the power. They err in not really understanding what the true power of God comes to bring. Every experience that we have in some way should be weighed and measured by the scripture. So we see that the Scripture is partnering with the power of God, and the power of God is partnering with the Scripture so that we have a great experience as we come into the presence of God and as we learn to enjoy God's presence, and it's not wild and crazy and people in here barking like dogs, throwing each other down. Ah! What happened? The power of God hit me! Ah! See? So what happens is there should be balance. Somebody say balance. And so for all of us as saints of God, we want the power of God. We want the power of God's presence. But we want the scriptures to bring confirmation of our experience. And we want our experience to be confirmed through the scripture. All of us here have to take time to understand this balance so that we're living a healthy life and we're truly empowered by the presence of God. Go to Acts chapter 1. I want you to see this. Acts chapter 1. Jesus Christ has, has just risen from the dead. He is getting ready to establish his church in the earth as a powerful influence and force within the earth. He is seen by many people, as testified of, as being alive, as being risen from the dead. And as he's getting ready to get his church started, activated, he tells them something here in Acts chapter 1 that's important for all of us, and it should be a characteristic of Look what he says. He said it to them. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive what? He says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he says you're going to receive power. And this power that you're going to receive, he says is going to cause you to be witnesses. This Greek word is, is, is tied to the word martyr. He says, you're going to be witnesses. You're going to give your life as a living sacrifice to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the, other and to, the to the end of the earth. And so we see very clearly here that when Jesus Christ was getting his church started in the ministry, He made them a promise that the power of God would come upon them and the power was is what was going to cause them to be effective witnesses in the earth. And I think this is something that we have to get back to, saints, realizing that if I'm going to be a witness, I need your power. We should expect God's power. We should know that, listen, there's no sin that the devil releases against you for in terms of temptation that God hasn't given you power to overcome. The power of God is all that you need to overcome any temptation. If we fail in terms of temptation, it's because at some point in time, we wanted what the devil was tempting us with. We gave into it. Because the power of God is there to cause all of us to be a witness. He says "The witness. I want to be a witness. I'm a witness of what? I'm a witness of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how am I a witness of that? That's the gospel. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, that is a sum of really the gospel. Well, I'm a witness of that. Why am I a witness of that? Because the same Jesus that died was buried and he rose out of that grave is the same Jesus that's now alive in me, empowering me to overcome sin and empower me to do great and mighty works in the earth. Why I have to see Christianity as not just me coming to church. Can I have an amen in here? Or just singing my song when I come in. Or just, you know, giving my offering. I have to see the Christianity is that the same Christ that rose from that grave is the same Christ that's now in me, and I'm not ignorant of the Scriptures, nor am I ignorant of the power of God. Can I have an amen in here? I'm about to start running in this place right now. Well, this is how we have to see it. That God's, the resurrected Christ is in me. And now I'm a witness. I'm a witness to this fact. I'm a witness to this fact. And the Holy Spirit has empowered me so that I can be a witness and no, and it doesn't matter what realm or what area, what space, what geographical location I go into, I'm coming on the scene, not just representing myself, I'm representing the kingdom of God as a witness of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. No matter where you go. People say, How do you know Jesus is alive? I know he's alive because he's living in me. No question. No question. No way I can overcome sin. No way I can be a good husband. No way I can be a faithful spouse. No way I can be faithful to my kids. And no way I can do it. There's no way. There's just no way. If Jesus Christ this is living proof that Jesus Christ is alive based on the fact that look how you live in now. There should be no question in your mind. And there should be no question. When we're dealing with people. You know, how you know Jesus is alive? Look at me. I'm a witness. Every person in here, Christ has empowered you to be a witness through the influence of the Holy Ghost. We want the Holy Spirit to come upon us. To come upon us. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell upon them and empowered them. According to what Jesus said, empowered them to be effective witnesses in the earth. You have been empowered to be a witness. You have been empowered to be all that Christ wants you to be. You have been empowered to live righteously. You have been empowered to live holy. You have been empowered to do the works of God. You have been empowered to walk in strength. You have been empowered to bind the devil. Amen? We have to stop letting the devil keep us up wrestling about stuff all night. Put them in a chokehold in the name of Jesus and tell the devil, i bind you right now because God has empowered me to have authority over you. A lot of times we're wrestling with the devil, not realizing that at the end of the day, I have power to overcome the devil. And I want to show you this here. Go to Acts chapter, chapter 10, verse 38. Because this anointing that comes upon us, this empowerment that comes upon us, we have to see it as an anointing that comes from god to us so that we can do certain things in the earth as witnesses not just live right but that we can do other things look what it says here acts chapter 10 verse 36 on down let's look at verse 34 then peter opened his mouth and said in truth i perceive that god shows no partiality He says, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Look what it says. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with what? who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And then look what he says. And we are what? Of, these, of all these things which he did both in the land of J- the Jews and of Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. And so it says here that God our Father anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. When that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive what? And then he says, and he went around, he went around doing what? Good. This is the thing that we want to do as witnesses, as we've received the power of God. Our mission is... Part of our mission and mandate in the earth is to go around and find ways in which we can do good in the earth. God has empowered you to do good. We should be thinking of ways in which we can do good. We should be trying to analyze ways in which we can help in some way people that are downtrodden, that are bound up. He said do do good and he says in healing all who were what? Who or what? Come on. He says, all who are oppressed by the devil. So God empowers me to live right. He empowers me to do what's right. But then he empowers me to go around doing good and to find people who are oppressed by the devil and liberate them. Think about this, saints. What does your Christianity entail? Does it just entail me going to church, having a good time, singing my songs? Coming, you know, I come Sundays. praise the Lord. And, you know, just have a good time. I want to have a good life. That's all I want. Or am I finding a way in my life that I can get a hold of somebody who I know that is imp- oppressed by the devil that I might, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the power that God has given me, to liberate them and freedom. free them. I don't know about you, saints, but I just I want to just be transparent with y'all. Just Just for a moment. Just talk to y'all. Listen, saints. Before I gave my life to God, I was bound up, bound up. Stuff I wanted to do, I I wanted to stop. But, man, I just felt like I wanted to stop, but how come I can't stop? But it's amazing when I, I, I came into a company of people who I saw walking in victory, and it attracted me to them because they honestly believed that you could be free. I didn't know that I was bound. I knew I was, I didn't know what it was. I thank God that these people that I came into contact with, they believed God for me when I didn't even believe God for me.
1: Well, thank you for joining us for Times of Refreshing with our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman. This program is the production of the Well Christian Community. And we pray today's broadcast has blessed you and has encouraged you in Christ. If it has, would you take a moment and let us know? There are several ways that you can contact us. First, by mail. The Well Christian Community. Address your envelope to 2333 Neeson Drive. That's here in Livermore. The zip code is 94551. You can also stop by our website, learn more about us, and drop us an email. Thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net. And then, of course, by phone, 925-292-7800. That's 925-292-7800. As you visit our website, don't forget to look for the link to our Facebook page. And if you're on Facebook, simply search The Well Christian Community. You can even follow Pastor Napoleon on Twitter with the address at Napoleon Kaufman, all one word. Until next time, may Jesus Christ be highly exalted in your life, and may He bring you a peace that passes all understanding.